0: Happy New Year, kooks! We're kicking off 2024 with a guest who should have been on the show a long time ago. A quick note first, our double-header, back-to-back, annual La Mission surf trips are coming up, starting the last week of February and the second trip during the first week of March. We have a few spots left. Shoot me an email, info at thesurfcontinuum.com if you want to learn more about it. Well, Rob Case is... The North Star for all aspects of paddling technique. If you think Coach Evan and myself are obsessed with paddling, well, Rob Case has built an entire business helping surfers improve their technique through multiple facets, such as his monthly newsletter, the Dropping In Surf Show podcast, which I've been on, his paddling lab where you can schedule private sessions slash evaluation with him, among other fun trips and meetups he does throughout the year. A fit, healthy, and improving surfer is one who is always concerned with their own paddling technique, and there is no one greater than Rob Case to be following in this department. In just a moment, I'm going to fade into this recording of me telling Rob how I first came to discover him on YouTube years ago. I had been helping people ride waves to the kind of surf school you often find at the beach, but there was a conviction growing louder inside me to go deeper and help my students discover what surfing is when you truly walk, or should I say paddle, your own surfing journey. (laughs) Sorry for the cheap play of words, I couldn't help myself, but let me just be blunt. I was getting tired of people taking a one-hour lesson with me and thinking that surfing was as simple and easy as they had originally assumed. Just stand up and ride a wave. Of course, little did they know I was doing the bulk of the work, choosing the right wave, reading it as it approached and developed, setting them up and correcting errors in their form before it arrived, giving them a head start push to begin paddling, laying down myself to follow closely behind, and another last push into the wave before shouting, stand up. It's a good time. And, you know, there was a, a, a slow but rapid transition for me where I was like, you know, this isn't sitting well with me. I want to really honor surfing I want to honor the culture and the people around us who've been doing it a long time and basically everybody who's honored it and given it their their time and effort I want to take my students through that same journey you know and and so it really put me on this path this journey of like figuring out what that meant to me you know like because I think something that experienced surfers really and maybe a lot of people experienced in whatever they do, what they forget a lot is, or they take for granted, the simple little things that at one time was really big, was a really big deal to discover, was a really difficult thing to learn, you know? And so, you know, kind of segueing into how you came into my life was through YouTube. I was like, well, paddling paddling is the most important thing, you know? And and I was thinking about it and I was like, look at all these people that, you know, one of the first things you can tell about a surfer before they catch a wave, you know, and maybe only just after the way they carry their surfboard, but sometimes they can trick you there, you know, um, is how they lay on their board and start to paddle it. And and that right there, to any keen eye, is going to catch, you know, and be able to put that person in a category of, new or experienced, you know, to, to a pretty accurate degree, I'd say. So I went on YouTube and I was like, okay, what, what does it mean to be, I had my own ideas of course, but let me see what's out there let me find something about, you know, paddling technique and, you know, and especially, you know, this about me being a wrestler, I was very into technique, you know, wrestling in high school taught me that you don't necessarily have to be the strongest if you have really good technique technique really makes up for a lot of strength and it's more sustainable so even if you are strong it's harder to stay strong and keep using might you know you get tired when you use might whereas technique is so sustainable it's so it it, it produces longevity so i was like i know there is an art a way to articulate good paddling technique and i found you (laughs) and these little stick figure videos you know (laughs) of You know, just like hand all these nuanced approaches to paddling technique. And I loved it, dude. I ate it up. I watched so many of your videos and I really used it to boil my approach to teaching paddling technique down into a more simplified approach because you are so deep about it. Um, but before I go further, because I, I think a majority of this episode, just to warn you, is going to be me asking you about paddling techniques because <laughs> I really am so into it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that is how I discovered you. And it's, it's to my really great pleasure that we've gotten to know each other personally and be able to, to talk and, and have a more you know, intimate level of a relationship rather than just through YouTube or from your newsletters that I get. And, and you know, always make sure to check out and read. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I um you mentioned the little things that mean a lot and that move the needle the most that people don't think about it and that's the biggest takeaway I got from your content is that like just the simplest things that advanced surfers have forgotten about. And even advanced surfers need to go back and look at some of your stuff because there are some things that you're teaching people early in the process that advanced surfers kind of breezed over it and they're doing it all wrong. Like one thing that comes to mind is the cork technique. Mm. And I see so many people doing that wrong. They're actually adding more drag than any ease of movement forward and momentum. Whereas you're taking it like, hey, listen, let's work on these fundamentals over and over again. And, you know, I think it's genius because there's so many little things like that will move the needle way more than getting a new board, you know, and that's the thing. People default mm-hmm. back to getting a new board all the time. They're like, oh, I need a new board.
0: Do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's such a, 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 it's very relevant to us. As you know, my, my partner in, in the business, Evan, is uh, a shaper. And it's almost a blessing and a curse, because all you know, we, it's, it's it's a path to um you know, m- produce, making boards for people. it's because it, he loves the craft and he's he does a beautiful job of it, and he really puts his heart and soul into it. However, the curse side of it is that a lot of times people are expecting this magic potion, you know, like, oh, this is going to be the thing that changes it for me and it's like oh like by now we've learned you know to kind of preempt the board ordering process with this is not the magic potion it's still the fundamentals (laughs) but (laughs) the pride in owning your board that was custom made for you and designed together with your shaper and coach who who knows your surf. you know there is a special element to it but yeah not a secret saucer by any means yeah yeah indeed and i think board design when it's custom does
1: make a bit more of a difference but it's not a magic pill like the fundamentals still need to be there Mm -hmm. uh with 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 paddling with with even just entering the ocean you know those fundamentals need to be there all the way into when you're riding which is I think what you've done beautifully and, and I appreciate greatly. Um, so I'm always constantly sending people back to the beginning, even advanced surfers. I'm like, Hey, you got to check this out. <laughs> you gotta, you're got you doing this all wrong. You've been doing it all wrong for 20 years. And I hear that a lot with paddling <laughs> and, and I'm glad that you appreciate the paddling aspect. Um, and going back to technique and how, Important technique can be, I always give the analogy of, you could be the incredible hole. You could be super strong. You can have tons of endurance. But if you have 20 parachutes tied to the back of your board, isn't it just smarter to cut the parachutes? And then you can use that strength Mm -hmm. in a more effective way and last even longer. And that's when I went and I did a tour down in uh, Australia um, of the high performance center down there. I asked them, I said, what's the number one thing you hear from paddling from your clients, what they want to improve. And they're like, Oh, they want to get paddle fit. They want to get in paddling shape. And I'm like, "I, I agree. Fitness is important. There's a baseline that you need to be at. And then if you're using poor technique, you're just reiterating the same wrong movements over and over and over again. If you can, once you get past the baseline fitness, put technique on top of that and then put fitness on top of that. Now all the movements are even more effective and more efficient. And then it's like you're cheating. It's like you have a cheat code at that
0: point. It's so valuable to hear you say that because it'll help the listeners prioritize this. And I mean, uh, I I'm sure I've scared off a bunch of listeners who are just sick and tired of hearing it, but I'm not afraid to keep saying it. It's so important to really get obsessed about this part. Um, and you know, what I really love is it happened to me just last weekend. I love how this concept is reaffirmed for me in different areas of my life. For example, when I'm a beginner at something else or doing something for the first time. So the example I have is I um, you know, over here in Europe, a group of friends they three times a year do these mega hikes, like two three day hikes, and not just down a trail, you have to like keep track of the markings on the trees you know there isn't like a clear path so if you're walking for five minutes and you haven't seen a you know um a marking you're like stop check everybody span out a little bit and find that mark it should have come up by now what i'm getting at is it's you know it's it's real deal you know and because i and I'm saying this because of how I approach it. It was like, oh yeah, we're going, high. big deal. And they're all kind of making a fuss over, what do I have? How am I preparing? This is what you need, Chris. Make sure of this, make sure of that. And I'm like, guys, guys, relax. I, I can walk, you know? And it was just, it, you know, going into it, I started realizing, okay, humble yourself, Chris. You know, these guys do this big time, three times a year. and And I started getting hints in their stories like this is going to be hard. You know, I mean- they, they were talking about doing 60 kilometers in two days. And um, so this is like, I don't know, just quick math in my head is, if you cut it in half, that's 30 miles. I think it's something like that, maybe a little less than 30 miles, which through snow and uphill is really hard. Yeah. But going even more simpler than just walking, I started realizing right away, because you constantly have to stop and take water and do these you know little things to be able to endure and when you you know we had these poles that you walk with to kind of help you make sure that you're using your entire body to project through this course um there's a little loop that you put your hand through and then grab the pole you know kind of like a leash or something you don't have to use it but it's convenient cuz all the time you're smacking it or you're getting tired and you can let go of the pole if it's not a run your leash and i kept putting my hand through the leash the loop the wrong way and having to like do this weird like Swim around to grab the pole properly, you know And it was awkward a little bit and it only was just an extra second or two of fiddling to figure it out but in that second or two the four or five guys were taking their steps their first steps to keep going again and I had this a feeling of like Hurry up, you know, like they're going, you know Not that I couldn't catch up but just I was setting myself up to already feel behind to already get the heart going to already feel a little sense of rush. So I decided I was like, "Oh my god, okay, this is one of those simple things where like don't lay on your board in the wrong position and and take a few strokes and have to have your coach tell you like move over, move up, move, you know, like adjust, make it right. Don't insist try don't try to go a little bit and then fix it. So I was like, "Okay, I got to figure this out now because if we're going to be stopping all day long, we're hiking for 12 hours and constantly taking our hands in and out of our gloves and then going back to the loop and all, I better get this nailed you know so it's easy and I don't I just eliminate all the friction and this is my long-winded way of saying and bringing it back to paddling technique the simplest simplest little parts like I went into it thinking the simple part was walking no that wasn't it it was even more simple than that it was like how do I put my glove on and off where do I put my glove when I take it off Uh, how do I put my hand through the loop and grab the pole so that it's just all seamless and it was like (laughs) You dummy, Chris, like, you know this already. You know to look for the simplest parts and do not um, make an assumption about what that is yet. Like, you know, either have them tell you or discover it while you're doing it. And, And then care enough to master it you know, and get it to the point. And it sounds, I, I hear myself talking. I do. <laughs> it sounds so silly to say like how to put your hand through the loop and grab the pole. But when I started doing it in a way that had no, you know, swirling my hand around to get the loop in the right position under my hand rather than over or whatever, it made a difference. And then I was right there on the tail of the group, like the same distance all the time, rather than taking the first four, five, six, ten, 10, whatever steps to catch up. Something I'd like to ask you, you you mentioned the corking technique, one of my favorite things, and that's kind of right in the alley of, uh, right up the alley of like paddling technique in in the sense of how to get started or how to project it. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of the technique? Because for me, it's something I'm articulating from a position of feeling, you know, like it should feel like this, but when we do it in the water, I've gotten better, but I still always feel like I'm kind of finding my way through a dark room with my student, you know, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, okay, what are they not, what's different between us? How do we do, you know, is there anything you can add to it that would maybe help?
1: Yeah. I. So I teach, um, Little things like that, in, in what I call they're they're called momentum builders, and I teach it in level two because level one's all about the ninety percent of paddling that we do. Level two's mm-hmm. about that remaining five to ten percent, and whether it's in the impact zone or it's right before you're about to start the sequence of catching a wave, or just just to get started to to move to maybe another peak, um, there there are two kind of situations where the cork technique would come into play, which is one is in the sequence of catching a wave and the wave is already, has already arrived. And that is a much more, as you know, much more advanced kind of technique. Cause if the waves base is right where you're starting the cork technique, you're basically replacing arm building arm strokes, um, with the cork technique, you know, and mm-hmm. if you do it correctly, you don't even have to take power strokes to get into a wave. Right. If, especially if you have enough buoyancy in your board. Now that's something I, I push way down the road because that's a much more advanced technique. But the one that I see all the time that get messed up is just the flat water start. You know, whether you're out in a channel or you're moving from one place to another, it's just laying down on the board but also getting momentum off of that lay down. So a lot of people, what they Mm -hmm. do is they grab the board and they pull it down because they heard of this name called the cork. So visually they think, let's cork. And then it rebounds, the buoyancy rebounds and you move forward. The problem is, is that people get the timing of when they lay down all wrong. And Mm -hmm. when they do the cork, they end up adding more drag as they're lying down if they mistime it. And so they end up doing this cork and then they lay down and they don't actually go anywhere. If mm-hmm. you've seen your clients do that, they're like boink and then they don't actually move forward. So mm-hmm. the, the I've changed it to, yeah, it's still the cork technique quote unquote, but, but really it's just laying down on your board correctly so that you can get some forward momentum without taking any strokes. And so Obviously, the buoyancy to weight ratio makes a difference here in the surface area of the board. So let's just assume it's like a mid-length where there's a bit of buoyancy, but not so much as a long board. All you really want to do is lay down efficiently. If you lay down efficiently as as you move back and you have the board upright, if you lay down, as you know, if you lay down efficiently without even having to submerge the board, the board will just lay flat. And as it comes up, it'll progress forward. That momentum of your body moving forward transfers to the board, which then as long as you're balanced horizontally and laterally, which is the first two steps of level one, you're going to move forward without any strokes at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even have to do a frog kick. You don't have to do anything like that. And that's step one is just lay down lay down and move forward with that momentum you're just transferring your for your upper body momentum into the board and then you progress forward and so once you get that then that's really all you need then you can start putting the nuances that you and i put in with the leg kick or a little bit of a a pull back of the board where you get a little bit more but people mm-hmm. jump to that last step they jump to that advanced step without putting those fundamentals in place and so that's I think 95% of the time that I'm teaching cork, I'm teaching just how to lay down on the board. And it's happening more and more earlier. Like I used to only do it in level two, but now I'm noticing way more in level one. I'm like, hey, guys, just let's just work on this because it has a profound impact on horizontal balance. Once you're laying down, if you lay down and you actually place your body too far forward, you're just now adding drag. That nose is too far in the water and so learning how you can master just laying down and finding that sweet spot sweet spot positioning that's a huge gain at the beginning of the whole process but also at the advanced level
0: that makes sense absolutely and i'm i'm just so excited to 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 talk about this cuz it's helping me realize things i'm guilty of jumping right to teaching the cork you know again hitting on what I said earlier about how we take for granted what we know or what we can do. And so what I'm gathering, correct me if I'm wrong, from you is that you've separated how do you lay down on your board to project forward into paddling? And then how do you additionally add the corking element to it? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I've am i been teaching all this time them one and the same thing, you know, and, and to more so yes there's degrees of it but still it was for me under the same umbrella the same skill and so this is really important because that's totally going to change how i teach going forward i'm not even going to say cork i'm not even going to bring that element of pull back and and start making them jump ahead and and you know their expectations for what they need to do but just as you said be able to lay down on the board in a way that that action that subtle motion begins the the process of moving forward and into your first strokes um that's just so powerful for me it really it means a lot you know and then it'll be so much easier to build upon as they get that so taking it a step further back you know from that it's i always one thing i do feel good about now hearing you say this is that a good beginning of your paddling starts from a good position of sitting.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a subtle adjustment back. And that's where if people are just sitting waiting for waves, we usually sit somewhere in the middle of the board, right? And for mm-hmm. that balance point. But a lot of people don't move back far enough to bring the board up to you mm-hmm. before you lay down. And that... If you don't do that, if you don't move back and you just lay down, guess what? You're in the wrong positioning on the board right off the bat, as you know. And so if you were to just move, you know, do the little scoop back, get that nose up, then lie down. Just do that with your clients and see how far they can go without any right. strokes, right? And mm-hmm. if they start to do that, you know, you just lie down, put your arms up and show them how you can glide without any strokes at all and see how far you can go. They'll be like, oh, okay. And then it's a matter of finding how do you lie down within that sweet spot right off the bat, which you and I can do it off of feel very quickly. But when people are learning this, that is a, one of those little skills that we, you and I take for granted and the advanced servers take for granted all the time. And mm-hmm. so they end up doing it wrong. They end up slowing themselves down by doing it wrong. And then they have to now make it up with their mm-hmm. strokes and therefore more more energy use. So it's right. it's wild how that one little thing snowballs into the next, right? And right. so I, I don't teach that right off the bat. You know, I still just teach, "Hey, let's find that sweet spot positioning number 1 where we're on the board, finding control in that balance because it's not just where you are on the board because where you are on the board unlocks the fulcrum where you can use other techniques to then make those adjustments with your head and your feet and your chest press. Those are the things that you would do every time you take a stroke, right? But sweet spot is kind of where you set the fulcrum. And if you set the fulcrum wrong, none of those techniques are going to work. Head's not going to do a thing. Feet aren't going to do a thing, right? So Mm -hmm. when you're learning to lay down on the board, you need to find that sweet spot where that fulcrum goes and that, that's pretty advanced. I think just mm-hmm. being able to feel that on a board. So laying down almost f- too far back just to see, okay, I can get momentum even if I'm too far back. What happens if I move forward a little bit and the next time I lay down? And mm-hmm. what about the next time? Oh, that was too far, right? And you know, where do I have control? So there are benchmarks on where you should be, but I always stress having control is far superior to just having, oh, my head's supposed to be between this spot and this spot, or my arms are supposed to be this far from the nose. Like those benchmarks are good. They're little cheat sheets, but having control and being able to kind of play with that, that's when you know you're you're advancing in that aspect of paddling. And if you think about it, to extend on that, just to finish that thought, Steps one and two in my level one are horizontal balance control, which is the nose tail pitch and lateral Mm -hmm. balance control which is the left, right roll. So having control of the surfboard and your body within those two planes, right? So for paddling, that is the fundamental for everything. Power comes from that. Efficiency comes from that. If you don't have that, you're not going to have power. You're not going to have efficiency, but it extends beyond paddling. Like when you're catching a wave and you're about to get up to your feet, you take your power strokes and now what you stop paddling, right? If you don't have horizontal balance control, you could potentially stall out of that wave as you're getting to your feet, or even before you start that motion. Mm-hmm. It, or if you need to actually stall a little bit, maybe you're too fast, right? And you're in front of the wave and you need to stall a little bit, or maybe it's developing faster than you think you need to stall to slow down a little bit. If you don't have that control, horizontal balance, you're not going to be able to get up to your feet efficiently. If you don't have lateral balance control, you're going to turn left or right without you wanting to, Mm -hmm. right? Again, I I stress the importance of control. And then once you're on your feet, same thing, (laughs) horizontal and lateral balance control, right? When you're on your feet, if you can't control your board, you can't progress in maneuvers, right? So uh, I didn't realize that until years later That I was kind of thinking, I was talking with another surf coach and I was like, oh, that sounds like horizontal balance control or lateral balance. He was working with me on my control. And I was like, oh, that sounds just like the things I teach. Duh. (laughs) Like, wow, this full circle connection to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's how I'm feeling now about this stuff. And I I love you're giving me the articulation uh, on some things that, yes, I'm recognizing, but I'm not quite... Well, articulating, you know, I'm not like, what is the word I'm looking for? You know, I really like consistency. I really like language because uh, I'm sure you have a similar experience. You work with a lot of the same people. So if you have consistency in your language, you you build, you know, the relationship builds and, and they understand when you say this or this, you know. Uh, and it, Rather than just trying and taking a stab at a concept every time with new words, you know I mean, I'm sure there's there's also a value to that I feel when, you know, a student isn't understanding something, you know So you, you try to hit it from different um, angles with different words But for the most part, I really appreciate and value having a, a set language, you know it's it's why I developed the you know the surf continuum and the fundamentals the way I do so that I can keep using it over and over like a textbook and just you know keep referring back to it. So I really appreciate that horizontal and lateral control. And just to clarify, so horizontal control is is that forward to back trim, right? Right. Nose okay? to tail. And lateral. Yeah. Nose to tail. Um, a, a word that comes to mind that I often use is trim. True. You know. Um, I like that word it kind of comes from sailing uh, when I was growing up before I was really surfing I wanted to surf for a long time before I actually got a surfboard when I was a grown um, so in those years leading up to it though my dad is a sailor and kind of like a hardcore sailor like he didn't do like these leisure sails around the Bay he was he would have his boat set up at the inlet so he could just launch right out into the ocean you know and, and wow. really have some fun But he was very nuanced about the craft as well. And the description of of getting the sails perfect because they're foils, you know, and they're just, but you have all these controls over how they foil the wind and the front sail directs the flow off the, the main sail. So there's really, you don't just pull tighter and tighter like a lot of people think. You... You adjust, you trim the sails in all these different ways, front to back, top to bottom, in and out, and and, and a few other ways even too. So I, I like that word trim, but you're adding to that aspect of my vocabulary with horizontal control and lateral control. And I like the concept also of control. Yeah. Not, you know, I, I think what I've used in place of those words is just position, you know, kind of a catch-all position position oh your position oh your position um this is more direct you know it, it it can at least specify the plane that we're discussing you know um i had a
1: bunch of pilots in one of my workshops and they were like oh it's pitch and roll
0: and mm-hmm, i was like oh mm-hmm. okay
1: hydrodynamics aerodynamics same deal so it's yeah. that's another way of thinking about it is pitch and roll
0: mhm mhm yeah and it, it's just it really I, I feel like a broken record but this means so much to me to, to get these words and to hear from someone else who's, especially you, you're specifically teaching paddling technique. I think that's just great. And one of the things I always tell my students is like, if there was a coach that I got to work with or somebody, it would be you. You know, like there's a lot of great, uh, Marcelo Castellano comes to mind, a really great high level surf coach in El Salvador. Um, and he had such a beautiful way of describing how to, Surf in a high performance way. It was, I loved it. It was beautiful. I would still go to you. <laughs> I would still want to paddle better, you know, and just get even more nuanced, even more deep into the detail of how to be a master, you know, a true, true master in the just the utmost way. And, I, you know, I always say this, but anybody who does something well can relate in their, you know, department, in their art in their discipline, whatever it may be. The better you are at the simple stuff, the better you are overall. Yeah. Um, so to take us off with the topic, a little bit of paddling technique, but I have a feeling we're going to come back to it. <laughs> um, so one thing I did notice uh, over, you know, this is, this is um, well, I'm not going to try and preface it. So one thing I see a lot, Uh, now that Instagram is becoming, it's evolving, you know, and there's a lot. Anybody can put anything on it, first of all, and anybody can copy whatever they see. Another thing. And I totally notice a lot of these bigger Instagrams and, and schools that are not necessarily coming from a background of being a proficient surfer or, or experienced surfer, let's say surfers like you and I who grew up near the coast, who went through the hardship and struggle of like learning, to sur- went through it truly and hardcore. We didn't just like travel to go surf. And every time we got a chance, we would try to travel to go to surf. You know, we had it in our backyard and good or bad fog or clear onshore or offshore, we surfed, you know, and for the most part, it was pretty hard and bad probably until you make that breakthrough where you figure out how to have fun no matter what. It's a, It's a skill breakthrough, but it's also a mental breakthrough, I believe. But that being said, I'm very curious how you have such a. I already know a little, I guess, about you and your answer. But you have such a gracious attitude about, you know, the competition, for lack of a better word, because I don't actually feel like it's competition. But it, you know, there's. I almost want to call them out and be like. That's Rob Case, you know, like he was, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to say the things they're saying without referring or referencing you. Yeah. And be like, oh yeah, that, that language, this years, that, that didn't just happen. He, you spent so much time developing this language, developing this level one, level two, you know, process, this journey of becoming a great paddler. I guess what my question is, how does it make you feel? Yeah,
1: uh, that's a good question. And I, th- I thank you for your, your kudos. Um, I see, I see it, I see that, but it, don't they say that, uh, copying is the greatest form of flattery, right? And I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I want, I want surfers to improve, you know, and, 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 it's difficult for me to um, see something, somebody else trying their best to explain paddling. Let's say, let's be specific about it. Maybe it's like straight up ripped right out of my course. As long as they're getting the info, I'm happy with it, and I'm not going to chime in and be like, "Yeah, that's my stuff." I'll let my clients chime in for me. You know, I'll let others mm. kind of do the talking and be like, "Oh yeah, this is great. This actually came from Rob." I actually don't need the credit. That's not my self-worth. I'm just happy that surfers are out there. And it's funny when I started all of this, uh, I think I've told you the origin, how it kind of paddling technique was uh, fallen into accidentally off that first YouTube video. It was like, Oh, people want to hear about this instead of fitness, right? Okay. I'll talk about paddling technique. And then one thing led to another. And, and now, uh, You know, that's kind of the origin of where people have talked about it. But I can't for one minute say that all my stuff's 100% original. I took it from swimming, right? And I took it from my studies. So it's as if, You know, I stood on the shoulders of giants that came before me that did a lot of the research. And I'm just excited that it's being discussed, that it's being talked about, that it's being shared, whether it's right or wrong. People are at least finding the importance of it. As you've stressed, you're you're the minority of somebody that understands that these are the little things. Um, Majority of servers out there, it's like telling them they didn't learn the alphabet. Correct right <laughs> sorry like you you can read and write but you didn't learn the alphabet correct it's a very humbling thing and a lot of people will ins- instinctively resist that and so mm-hmm. the more that people see just paddling technique being shared rather than paddling fitness being shared um and i don't and i'm i'm not against paddling fitness i think once again there's a baseline but you know my philosophy is that you could be out of the water for months if you have good technique, when you come back in, you'll at least be able to have a good surf. Um, it won't be super long. probably won't be their best, but you can have a surf. Whereas if you focus on fitness first, you're going to wear out a lot faster. Um, mm-hmm. So adding fitness on top, huge. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm, I'm flattered. I think that it's, I think it's great. I think when people <laughs> say the wrong thing, Like where it's actually destructive, that's when I'll chime in. If it is, and it's been proven to be destructive, I'll I'll chime in, um, and I'll say, you know, that's a good good approach. But have you thought about it this way? I'm, I'm not about attacking because for me, high tide, you know, brings all the boats up. So if we can all work together as coaches in general to help the surfers of this world get better, then it's it just means. More for all of us, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think when I first started, you know, when I left my job full time, it was a lot of stress. I had two kids. I had, you know, expenses out galore. And it was like the dumbest possible time to actually start a business that <laughs> really was not proven. Um, and so I think initially it was like, okay, well, should I price this out? It was all business. It was like pricing and and how do I market? And I made a ton of mistakes. But when I fundamentally looked at, okay, let's not look at this in dollars and cents. Let's look at this in terms of how can I help them the most and how can I put their progression first? It changed everything. It's almost as if the more I focused on serving my clients better and with higher quality, the more the other stuff kind of fell into place. And that's where I've taken the business now. It's not. It's not about a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad anymore. It's, it's about, you know, customers telling their friends. And, and, it, and it, not only is that better for me, it's more fun for me to have clients come to me that have that philosophy and approach that says, hey, you know, this is important versus trying to convince someone that's important. Much harder, mm-hmm. much more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't mind people kind of suffering their way to me which sometimes tends to happen. People, they, they go down these routes and they're like, wow, paddling's really hard. There's gotta be an easier way. And then they find me and that's great. I love that because they have that appreciation at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have enough time in the day to try to convince people and I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm to each his own and I'll paddle circles around them. I'm happy
0: doing that. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, look, I, I had a feeling your answer was going to be along those lines. I wanted you to say it for yourself. Um, but it's 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 a beautiful attitude. It's a healthy attitude. You know, it's only good for you. Um, and I ask only because, you know, I, I feel mostly that way. But every once in a while, it's like, damn, that seems so like I would. And, and the truth is, I envy it a little because they do some of these accounts. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about they do a really good job of it, you know? They, like, the the imagery or the graphics or the, the shots they get, it's like what I imagined how to explain what I wanted to explain, but I had the only the language and the experience to do it, yeah. but they had the tech team and the, you know, and, and the, the ability to actually make it beautiful for this day and age and and for the platform of something like Instagram. So it every once in a while it just I have to check myself and and pull back because it's it's frustrating and beautiful to look and see that it wasn't done by me, you know, yeah. and it's like damn, I I wanted to do that.
1: Yeah. I've had that experience too, Chris, and and, and one thing that has helped me is is I've tried to do the marketing, to be the great marketer, to be the great salesperson. This is not who I am. I'm not good at it. But I've seen it actually work. And I'm like, oh, that technique works. But for me, doing it, it's it becomes ingenuine. And what I found is that surfers are a lot smarter than than we might think. Like they'll see through that eventually. They'll see through and find uh the the gem inside the rock um and realize that it doesn't have substance or or that it's not quite leading them down the right road um so just have faith that the clientele are smarter and and that they they can figure it out and and surfers are like that surfers are very very wise um it's it's a far cry from spicoli uh (laughs) when we were growing up you know
0: yeah, yeah, of course. Uh all right, well, that was that's all I wanted to say on that. Now, I you've mentioned a few times um you know, fitness, the exercises, you know, for paddling and how people are always eager to do that and I've totally experienced the same um thirst, you know, there's a lot of seeking out there for the at home, I'm doing air quotes if you're not watching, you know, at home workouts for surfing. Jeez. And I really always start off those videos or those answers to those questions with, I don't really know, you know, like here's gonna, this is gonna be my best shot at it, you know, because there's just no replacement for actually surfing because it's not just a fitness, it's it's a core balance at the same time. It's there's a lot of elements happening when you surf that you don't recreate at home or in your gym. That being said, what is your, what are your you know, at home workout tips for helping people become better paddlers? Is it simply just building shoulder back strength or next or, you know, don't let me answer. for Yeah, you.
1: no, it's, it's, it's very timely. Cause I just did a subscriber webinar on the muscle groups used in paddling. And I, I'm, first of all, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a strength coach. Um, I think that any deficiencies in mobility and strength people should go to a specifically a strength and conditioning coach or a PT and find what those deficiencies are. Now, when I say that there's a baseline fitness level that surfers need to have, um, it's actually pretty small. Now, a surf PT I work with right here, a, a perfect test is just a back prone. So if you lay straight down on the ground and you lift your head and your feet and you just hold that for as long as you can, Um, And the test is over when you have any sort of strain. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's like you can hold it and you can like shake through it. You as a, as a wrestler would totally fight through it. But as (laughs) soon as you start like suffering that your, that test is over, you could probably go five Mm -hmm. minutes like suffering as you do, but your test might be over (laughs) in a minute, you know, technically. Mm -hmm. So that he talks about in the clinic, a minute is a pretty healthy Kind of um, uh, erector spinae strength, um, but mm-hmm. for paddling Ocean Beach, San Francisco, a minute and a half probably is a minimum. Um, mm-hmm. And when we train for the winter, more like four minutes. Even though you're, you know, you're not holding that position for the whole time, but just, you know, as a baseline. Having certain mobility and having certain strength, if you can get to a minute and a half with just a back prone, that's kind of like the minimum. And then from there, it's a matter of using the right techniques to engage the right muscle groups. So to answer your question, getting on to once you pass that baseline, if, and I agree with you, surfing is the number one thing you should be doing. If you can't surf, go and paddle like actually going through paddling motions and trying to be efficient um, with that motion. Third thing would be swimming, specifically head-ups, head-up freestyle and freestyle or crawl, as they say in Australia. Head-up actually puts the body in a position that is a little bit more similar to actually being on a board. Um, but, mm-hmm. but again, be, be mindful that's more strain on the shoulders. So you want to alternate head down and head up. Um, and then mix hmm. it up with other um, with other strokes, just to kind of mix up cardiovascular. Then, in terms of just dry land at home, you know, you got your you don't have a pool, you can't go paddle, you're not surfing. Um, the the number one area that I outlined in the webinar is the core, and I know that sounds like cheesy and and cliche, but for balance, for horizontal and lateral balance control, there's a test I do in the water, and sure enough, everyone fails it. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it is, it is actually a test designed for people to fail for one, but <laughs> it also shows people the importance of these, these muscle groups. And it's not just like your abs, you know, it's not like i I've got an eight pack, right? It's mm-hmm. your hips. It's your uh, erector spinae, your lower back and your mid back, that whole kind of grouping that connects to that pelvis, that whole area. Um, is the most important for horizontal lateral balance control, which then therefore serves as the basis for all kinds of efficiency and um, power later on. Um, So that's number one. Number two is the rotator cuff muscles in this shoulder girdle. And these are often employed by inexperienced paddlers because they're using poor technique um and so once the the rotator cuff muscles go then they you know they tear or they rip because the surfer's using them for power rather than what they're actually meant for, which is rotating and keeping the shoulder joint in place. And then mm-hmm. the third muscle group, we finally get to the one that everyone thinks is should be number one, which is the latissimus dorsi, the pectoralis major, the bicep, the tricep, and then the deltoids around the shir- sh- shoulder. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. When you look at a lot of programs, I think there are some really good ones out there that focus in that order, which is fantastic. Um, but that's how I look at it, not only from a, a, a technique point of view, but also from a little bit of a fitness point of view and some of the research that I've done. Um, those are kind of how you work those. So I have a daily core routine that I put on my level one course. And that's if I'm not surfing or I'm not swimming, I do the daily core routine right? Um, the rotator cuff muscle exercises also in level one, there's a whole like sequence. If I'm not surfing a lot or not swimming a lot, I do that. Right. So if I'm coming back from a cold and I haven't been in the water, I'll just do these little light high rep exercises just to kind of keep them primed, keep them, keep Mm -hmm. them ready. Um, if I, I jump into wave pools and there's no paddle out, I'll do a little warm up with it before because that's you know even with good technique you can sometimes strain those muscle groups if you if they if they're not warm um before you crank into your power stroke. And then in terms of just the simplicity of the power muscles there's been studies in Australia and in the US that have actually linked pull up strength to flat water paddling speed. So mm. it's not a huge study Um, or the studies haven't been huge they haven't been replicated often enough but if we're going to take any sort of scientific basis there's a link there's a link between pull-up strength and paddling in flat water and so Mm -hmm. when i am not surfing i'm not paddling which doesn't happen often but when i'm not doing these things i'm doing pull-ups and push-ups super simple like daily core Mm -hmm. routine shoulder pull-ups push-ups like there's nothing really more you need to do other than that there, you can get in his whole routine and doing these, these exercises and these workouts is great. But a lot of the research I've found is, is if you don't have a lot of time in the day doing those bases is, is where you should go. Now, if you do have time, if you're totally landlocked, then you want to replicate, um, the surf spot that you're about to go surf. So, so I, have, I have a few clients that live in like Colorado or Wyoming, and they're fully landlocked. And so I, I work with them a lot on replicating, OK, you're going to Pavones in Costa Rica. It's a super long left. All right, so what is your overall surfing time going to look like in terms of energy use? So let's design a program, kind of like a race pace program, that says, all right, there's going to be so much power strokes you're going to be using. There's so much efficiency that you're going to be using. You need to build your endurance mostly because of the long paddle backup point. And because it's such a long wave where you're actually on your feet, you got to work more of your, your hips and your legs than anything else. So, you know, like if you work a beach break, like I surf, a little bit different program. And so I think a lot of the pros actually did that with their trainers. Too like when they go to J Bay, they train differently than if they go to Pipe or they go to Portugal. Totally different.
0: So right, I don't know if right. that was that a long-winded
1: answer. To no, all that's of it. what I was looking for. Okay. Okay? It was
0: totally what I was looking for, and and it's but it's 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 kind of it should come as a relief. It's a beautiful answer because it can be simple, you know, just things that we can do at the park or off of like get one of those door jam pull up thing you know it doesn't have to be this scientific uh that's not the right word but this very like like laboratory looking um you know fitness regime you know you can do simple things and so this is a good moment i'm gonna include it in the intro because I want people to hear it right away but this is a good moment to talk about like your website and your program you know how this isn't just off the top of your head this is like been organized and crafted into a really awesome resource that people can use you know like I don't want people thinking they need to be writing down notes right now and, and figuring they can just go to your site and you have it all outlined there um, and so how, how does it work it's it's a membership based program right and uh, you have how many levels or how, how, basically how would you tell somebody to check it out and, and how would you encourage them to, to go about signing up? And
1: Yeah. So you know. one of the things I've tried to incorporate in, in my delivery of things is to, 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 to be able to provide people with something no matter what the price level. So I have a free email series that people can sign up for and that gives people some some basics on paddling technique and that's kind of a good introduction into the way i teach what i teach how deep i teach and it's a good kind of predecessor to decide whether or not someone's going to make an investment in their paddling Um, Mm -hmm. then there's the online course it's not a membership it's a one-time fee you get it for the life of forever long i can do this for Um, Mm -hmm. and i'm constantly updating that um, with new videos there's there's extra bonuses and stuff in there Um, and then really what what i found it moves the needle the most is the in-person stuff as you know when you're working with someone in person it's you get a dialogue you can actually answer questions on the spot you can take some of the things that they may have interpreted from the videos and maybe correct them a little bit um Mm. for people that don't live in the bay area i have virtual coaching so they, they just need to video their own paddling um but I like that as as you've explained. I like that interaction with people because you get to know them. You get to work with them long term. Um I'm all for people coming to the site and getting tips. But that's the free email series. Those are those little blurbs you see on Instagram and if you just want a tip go you got plenty of resources out there for that. But you know, if you really want to get into the weeds, if you really want to change um and, and really like I say invest in your in your surfing, paddling is the thing that I can help people with. Um, no matter what board you ride, um, we can we can teach you how to paddle efficiently and effectively. No matter what board you ride, um, taking people from especially late in life that are like, I had this one client that's like, I thought I was relegated to longboarding the rest of my life, and I was like, that's not bad. And He's like, I know, I know, but I love shortboarding. And then we work together and. You know, a couple months later he's back on a five-five shortboard and he's still Whoa. still loving it at age sixty-five. So wow. um, there's ways that we can change the brain and kind of give that extended life. Um, so that's kind of like I always start people out with level one. Um, people try to jump into level two, which is the power stroke specifically, uh, but I've extended it to wave catching. Getting out technique, the pop up, basically every up, every, everything up until they're standing, um, because people have asked for it and it's kind of evolved into that. Um, mm-hmm. So level one is kind of like the ninety percent of paddling that we do, and then level two zeroes in on the remaining five to ten percent plus all the other stuff. Where I kind of was thinking about this the other day, Chris. It's funny you say you meant you asked this. I uh from the hundred thousand foot view, the way I've kind of structured things, and I didn't realize this until maybe a few months ago, I've structured things to optimize energy. Right. So I started thinking about it's like there's three main areas that surfers burn the most energy. And the first one is just paddling around, right? All the studies have shown that paddling is what we do the most. Now, there haven't been studies linking energy use to it. I would love that. Let's let's maybe think about getting some universities on this. But but actually, if you look at just paddling out and paddling around, it's not really high intensity, but because of the duration of what you're doing it, it it reduces your endurance and, and fatigues mm-hmm. you a lot faster. So that's that's what level one essentially is. It's I do touch on the sprint, I do touch on power strokes, I touch on What speed and acceleration comes from. But most of that course is hey, let's just clean up 90% of the strokes that you take. And if we can improve it 10 to 20%, you've already got tons of extra energy. So that's the first area that I think people burn the most energy. And then when I first started level two, I thought that. Wave catching was the second most used. But as I progressed with doing level two over and over again and working with clients, I realized there's one that kind of squeezes in between paddling and wave catching where people burn the most energy, and that's getting out. Mm -hmm. So I separate paddling from getting out in that getting out is the strategies you use, but also the techniques you use. So if you think about it, I'll just use duck dive as an example. When you duck dive, you hold your breath. You're also using muscle groups that are you know, more power muscles, so they they're taxing on the body as you're duck diving. So when you hold your breath, your CO2 increases in your bloodstream, which increases the lactic acid buildup, which then leads to more fatigue faster. So the more you're holding your breath and the more you're using these kind of big muscle groups and you're trying to stabilize the board while you're underwater and this thing's throwing you around and you're battling all this stuff underwater, you're burning a ton of energy. And if you're doing that over and over and over again in like an eight-wave set and then you finally make it out and guess what happens? The ocean goes flat. Right? Right. (laughs) Like think about that. You know, people – Listening, and I'm sure you have felt this where you're like duck dive, duck dive, duck dive, and you're like finally get out, and you're like, "Uh, uh," and it goes flat, and you're like, dang (laughs) it, I couldn't make it for the last wave of the set. Well, I'm telling people (laughs) nowadays that you will never beat the ocean. So, yes, there's technique to this, but the bigger energy savings is strategy in that case. Like, if you realize Mm. that the rhythm of the ocean is that there's eight to 10 foot, eight to 10 wave sets. And you're on set uh, wave number two because you just fell on wave one, right? Get out of the impact zone. Take some of the yeah. white water in, remove yourself from the immediately hard, difficult part to duck dive, and go back to an area where the wave has dissipated its energy. Wait for the set to go through and then cruise out right? Think about how much energy you save. Now, our, the psychology of that is difficult because we're like, oh, we're missing all these
0: waves. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm yeah. telling
1: people right now that they will very rarely make it out by the time of the last wave. And if you do, your VO2 max will be, you'll be maxed out. Your oxygen intake will be maxed out. If you're going to turn and go on that, you're not probably going to have the greatest time on there because you're going to be so tired from what you all did to get there that's where fitness plays a huge role if you're fit enough to do that do it you're going to get way more waves that way but for most of us it's almost better for us to hang back save energy be smarter about how we're getting out and sometimes it might be if it's constant and there's no lull maybe you going out right where you took off is not a smart idea because that's where the shallow water is that's where the most power right. is. So mm-hmm. if you have good efficiency in your paddling stroke, you don't mind going a little bit further distance around the sandbar to get back to, this, to the takeoff zone. And it may take you a little bit longer, but with good efficiency, you're good. Right? So that's number two is technique in getting out. And then number three is finally catching a wave and burning too much energy when you're catching a wave, either falling on takeoff, all of these kind of all wrap up. And so that's how Uh I've looked at it from the hundred thousand foot view level. One is we're taking care of that first problem. And level two is, you know, we're, we're taking care of problems two and three and we touch on problem three in, in level one as well. So that's kind of like how I think about it now.
0: It speaks to paddling technique in a different way you know not just your physical technique but your strategic technique you know your your approach to using your technique uh, and not just being okay good technique straight line back you know but rather having this more holistic mindset um, of of how to implement your technique and another great point you had was just you know coming in sometimes don't actually fight to get back out it's so obvious of course but when you're in the moment it's so true I see it all the time people are so eager to try they're in this like battle with the ocean and of course you're not gonna win (laughs) you know like it's insane and not only are you not gonna win in might but you're not gonna win in speed either yeah you are not gonna paddle outside and set up a wave fast enough for that set to finish pouring through or not finish pouring through um, so it's it's just it's good food for thought for the listeners to really recognize how to go about a session, not just in terms of the physical aspect of technique, but your mental approach to how to use that technique and how to be an efficient paddler over the long term. Because I I don't really you know I I feel as a pretty fit surfer and I don't feel fit enough to take on the one uh, moment you said like oh if you're fit enough go ahead and do it you'll catch way more waves. I almost don't feel like it's possible. Maybe it's because I'm from the East Coast and I'm always in short interval swell. So I know I can't do it even when I try my hardest unless it's like six inches, you know. But anything over a foot and already, you are if you try to start beating the ocean in time and might, you're going to burn out real it's, fast. It's usually that,
1: get- yeah, that comment usually is for the pros that I work with because mm-hmm. within a 30 minute period, they don't really have the luxury of waiting for a set. Um, mm-hmm. To pass through mm-hmm. and sitting on the inside, so and they're usually young and very fit <laughs> so right that's right, right that's it's a very it's, it's a, a
0: small w- group very small group yeah absolutely mm-hmm. right, yeah, because the truth is with efficiency, you'll probably get way more waves over the course of two and three hours than you will maxing yourself out for thirty minutes totally um just speaking to the rhythm of the ocean, never mind how how fit you may be to do so um Okay. Well, Rob, one more thing before we wrap up. I, I want to be gracious about your time and, and respectful because I really appreciate you um, setting this time for me and, and going back and forth with me on it. Uh, and I didn't really prep you for this. I should have. So I'm going to put you on the spot, but I got to honor the name of the show. It's the Kook Cast. Give us your kooky story. <laughs> Kookiest? Oh boy kookiest um, most recent it doesn't matter just you know we got to honor the tradition i try my best to get every guest on here especially the accomplished ones it's you know yeah. with my beginner guests or people who have um you know admittedly are new to surfing but willing to speak to me on these things it's it's pretty much the whole episode is talking about you know cooking it with yeah. not in a way that's like a shaming uh experience but you know the experienced surfers, the guys who know what they're doing, who are experts, it's really it's really good to hear their kooky stories and, and just remind everybody we're all still going through it sometimes, <laughs> totally. Um
1: yeah, I'm trying to think of a good one. The the one that comes to mind right off the bat was when I was right basically my job interview for my first surf instructor job. Um I was in San Diego and we were surfing this one little reef, reefy beach kind of break. And it was my good friend and his buddy from college and his buddy from college ran this aquatic center that does instruction. So I, we, we'd kind of met up and surfed a few times and we're all sitting and he's like, Hey Rob, you think you'd ever want have any interest uh, being a surf instructor? And I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's awesome. In my head, I was saying that. And I was like, out loud, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool you know, trying to play it cool. (laughs) And the set starts to come through and I turn to take the first wave. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to like show them how awesome I am. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to stall for the barrel and all this stuff. Well, I got up a little too early and I'm the, the wave is like pu- pushing in further. So I'm like trying to like hop, bunny hop to get in front of it. You know, that feeling where you get up too yeah. early and you're like, dude, I'm coming out the back of this thing right now. And the <laughs> two of them are watching me. And I just accepted like, yeah, I want to go to be a surf instructor. And I fully end up on my feet out the back of the wave. And you know, that sinking feeling, you're like, oh no. And then they uh, took off on the next two. So I just eat it, you know, I take it on the head. And then we paddle back out. My good buddy's like, hey, you still want him to be a surf instructor? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your, your humility, your expertise, your time. I, it was really special for me. And to be honest, I could have kept this going for another hour or two, picking your brain about paddling technique and all that. I know one day I'll get the chance to come out there and, and visit you in person and, and go through a session with you because it's something I really do want to do um, and, as a surfer. Um, but that being said, I'll just leave it at this. Let let the listeners, you know, have a little bit of salt on the tongue and, and be thirsty for more. I want them to seek out your newsletter first and foremost. You know, you were saying like, oh, you know, let them find out if they want to invest more in their paddling technique, and I'm over here like, if they don't, what are they even doing? <laughs> like, if you don't want to hear more from this guy, if you don't want to read his newsletter and sign up for the site, like, then what are you trying to do out there? Like, how good do you think you are? You, you, there's always value in, in improving the simple stuff. And for me, paddling technique and all the nuances of it are ground zero. It's the place to start. I, I'm so grateful for this, this episode. Thanks so much, Rob
1: thank you thank you that's very 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 nice words chris i i I echo it i could talk surfing for ages man um and especially with you so i'm i'm I'm, i you inspire me to be a better coach and i'm i'm really really excited about what you and evan do with clients all the time constantly sending people your way i really appreciate that rob